Welcome to the Lost Signals Discusses Film and TV. Using the revolutionary Manzor Mosi Thurlow scale, or MOTS, we scrupulously review these art forms with an emphasis on narrative structure. Join us for another entertaining episode. Hello, and welcome back to The Lost Signals Discusses Film and Television. My name is Chris Morgan. I am here with Jonathan Ian Manzer. Hi, how are you doing? Scott Thurlow. Dead or Alive, you're podcasting with me. And Stephen Armosi. Buy that podcast for a dollar. <laughs> and today we are discussing uh, Paul Verhoeven's uh, 1987 film RoboCop, starring Peter Weller and Nancy Allen. So, Ian, would you like to give us a funny logline? Well, to be fair, I thought we were discussing Kanye West, presidential candidate Kanye West's uh, song from the seminal album 808 and Heartbreak. <laughs> Robocop. Well, I guess that's what you'll be reviewing, but yeah, yeah, but, uh, supposed to be in the, 80, the 80s movie. Must be like uh, The Predator again. Mm-hmm. Predator. <laughs> and, um, Ian, why don't you continue with the plot, please? All right, so uh, it's the near future, or twenty minutes into the future, and or, or right now in uh, in America, uh, Detroit is a war zone. Uh, gangs roam the streets. Corporations are trying to take over, and uh, a cop uh, gets gunned down or gets transferred and gunned down, and is reborn by that corporation as RoboCop. But you know, there's corporate shenanigans going on. Uh, uh, working with the criminal, yeah, and all that kind of stuff, and yeah, that RoboCop is RoboCop and gets uh, revenge for his murder. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's a simple plot for sure, and I mean, and, and I've seen RoboCop a number of times, uh, but this has been obviously the most recent time for a while that we're doing the review. So, like, I would say the movie it, it hits the ground running like pretty quickly. Like, it just like sort of tosses you into the shit that's happening. Uh, Peter Wellow's character gets Murphy gets killed by the gang like i don't know 20 minutes into it or so and then he has reborn as the cyborg robocop etc and like totally regains his memories and hunts down the criminals and stuff and figures out the corporate corruption so like i think yeah you just gave the you did a much better job of the pod (laughs) (laughs) but i mean like given all that in light of that i think it holds up pretty well like i might be giving it a three i could see being talked down a little bit to a two but i'm not going below a two and i i think because of the very fact that it just you know, jumps you right in there, and it's simple enough, but has enough uh, weight behind it. I think it really works quite well and still holds up. So, what's interesting is this movie is structured like a superhero origin story. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and it has all the act structure of uh, one of those. That has the the misfortune that he gains his superpowers. The stock, it's death and being reborn by a shady corporation. Uh, it's uh, him. On the rise, the, the the big bad knocks him down. He has his low point, and then he regains his humanity as by also embracing uh, his newfound uh, situation uh, to uh, tr- conquer in the end. And it's very much that kind of superior origin story type movie, except done as a uh, kind of a sci-fi with a little bit more snark than usual. You know, yeah. Paul's uh, trademark sort of uh, you know, shade in there, if you will. Yeah, I think I think this plot structure does a really good job of going through that. Like you mentioned, it is kind of like a, a superhero origin story. 
um, while having like those strong themes that we're going to talk about in just a minute here. Uh, so I think I agree with you, Scott. I'm going to give this a three. I agree. Uh, it does a great job of world building. Um, you definitely, um, 10 years later, you see where he went with uh, Starship Troopers because it starts off uh, with a new segment to get an air, the way things are on the world. Like the, uh, the, uh, the Star Wars peace plot, space platform, and they're talking about space exploration and uh, private prisons and all that stuff. And then this heavily commercialized world, um, which has obviously since become more relevant as with the rest of the story. Um, I, I do. I think uh, it's really well paced as an origin story. Um, you do get, it's almost like a comic um, in a way, because a lot of comics start off that way where they build the world. You'll see like uh, news reports and um, Frank Miller's the dark Knight returns uh, uses uh, media a lot to kind of help create, build yeah. the world. Um, so yeah, I'm going to say it's a, it's a really strong movie. I'm going to give it a three. Yeah. Um, sorry. Just one final thing for me. I think the pacing also is like, perfectly spot on there's not a, a wasted moment or a scene like nothing is there like why did they do this like that that could have been cut out i don't think that's the case so i agree with a lot of what you guys said but i to me a lot of those points uh, everyone just made go into other aspects of this the framework is well done uh, but what you remember from this are other questions later on so i'm probably going to give this a strong two i don't regret you but um okay. uh, just and perhaps uh, it's being punished for what came after. And I'm so used to the media and now I can't put this in the time when it came out. But I also know that there were a ton of kind of similar type movies out at that point too. So it feels like it didn't do anything new enough to, I think, warrant a three. But thematically, stylistic qualities, yeah, uh, that's where the points are going to go. No, that's fair. I'm still sticking with three, but yeah. I mean, and if you didn't mention Chris, I'll just do a little plug because we did do Starship Troopers like about a month back. Mm-hmm. So this is sort of like our follow-up, like double uh, feature of, of Paul's like <laughs> satirical takes on this kind of shit. So yeah. Yeah. He does love those uh, co-ed uh, shower scenes. <laughs> or like I noticed that. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I mean, as somebody who was alive during the reg, who was in high school during the Reagan administration, and uh, I did see this in the theater and I saw Brazil in the theater. And uh, to the level that they predicted the future is just unnerving. Uh, but back in those days, 33 years ago, this was, uh, this, this was right before CNN. You know, this is right before the Gulf War, before you had the 24-hour news service, where the media had started really um, taking off in a way that natural progression had. So I thought, I mean, more than nostalgically, I think they captured the time really really well which which is what to me pushed it over into a three but again that perception i'm biased so that was okay scott why don't you move on with uh themes all right so yeah as you guys mentioned i think the themes hold up quite a bit it touches on maybe not a lot of things but like two or three like important things and yes unfortunately sadly as you mentioned chris perhaps they're more relevant than ever but you know you've got the corporate corruption that's and the commercialization that's sort of only accelerated since the mid to late 80s, I would say. And then they're privatizing the, you know, the police force and, like, uh, and trying to... And actually, uh, at least one of the senior VPs, whatever, in, in the um, in Omnicorp, Omnicorp, Omnicorp products, wanted to create like basically 
uh, build a new new Detroit, whatever they call it. Like, I forget what the name of the city is, but like, you got all that shit going on, and you got the cops. Like, yes, while it, they're they are painted in a noble or light because of the times, like for the most part, they're they are in fact trying to do their job, and they're out outmanned and outgunned essentially by the criminals run amok. So you've got that part of it, and you've got um I don't remember the guy's name, Chris. Who's the who's the guy who does the RoboCop like program uh, security head of whatever. His name, well, it's Miguel, Miguel Ferrer, and his name's Morton. Yes. So you got him, like, you know, he's trying to uh, get one over on his superiors in the company. Like, oh, I got this great idea. Like, I'm going to sort of undermine my um, my competitors or, you know, my coworkers who are uh, competing with for uh, job attention and so forth. And, like, that, so they, they could sort of crisscross with his plan to militarize the police force, more or less, and with his corporate sponsorship, pretty much. So, like, I think it, it all holds up. It works, like... And it, it, like, like I mentioned, um, it does have the trademark, like, you know, Paul's social commentary about society, like, throughout. But I still think that shit holds up. And even, like, the world building, too, like you mentioned, Chris, is really well done. Like, of course, the famous, like, I'd buy that for a dollar. Like, that, sh- that show, whatever that show is, is on, like, e- everyone's fucking watching it all the time. If they're either watching that or the news, pretty much, there's, like, nothing else. So, like, you know, it's, it's like that. Or like, commercials. Yeah. The, you know, the mind-numbingness of, of shit like that, um, that the general middle class like consumes. So I still think all that shit's there. And I think like it has a message to say, so I'm giving it a one and you guys can certainly expand upon all the things I said, but that's where I'm looking at and that's how I'm going to score it. So, yeah, I mean, clearly the, the thing that comes through the most is like the militarization, privatization of the police force and um, kind of the ramping up of the, uh, weapons that they're using against their own citizenry and things like that. Especially like the, you know, the part of the beginning where the guy gets blown away by the Ed 209 or whatever, because they're rushing it out before it's ready to go. It's like, reminds me so much of like, I mean, things that they do in that they like send from directly from the military to the police forces these days anyway, that aren't meant for, policing citizens things like that but almost like it, it almost reminds me of like boeing like going uh out with their plane because they'd make more money uh even though it wasn't quite ready yet uh but yeah i i think that that it's got it it talks about all that stuff uh, uh capitalism being the driving force of uh police policing your citizenry isn't probably the best way to go about things and yeah, I, I think it does a really strong job with the themes. When you said that there are a few laser-focused critiques that this is making, you were correct, and you guys covered that. So I'm going to agree with you. And let's, uh, Chris. Yeah. I'm just going to add gentrification, and I'm going to give. That's, it- that's the word I want to use. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so we're all giving. Uh, but that's interesting because the '80s. Uh, one of the big things was the idea of uh, um, the multicultural gangs. So yeah, you have gentrification on the uh, uh, on the sense of classism, but not necessarily the. Uh, everyone gets along uh, as long as we can riot together. Right, but that's but again, that is a trademark of the uh, of the Reagan administration. Mm-hmm. He brought us uh, trickle down economics. So yeah, it is definitely a, is definitely class is definitely class uh, gentrification. Mm. We're all giving it a one and it moves with the antagonist. And that antagonist would be Jones played by uh, Ronnie Cox. Uh, He is the head of the corporation. He's actually working with one of the gangs. So he's, I mean, it's kind of an obvious, 
it, it's kind of a the writer's hand here. It's a conceit where you know you would have a powerful corporation in bed with you know one of the bigger gangs, so you can kind of use them to feed on the fear to sell your product. But you know the message is still there. Um, it's as with all things uh, Verhoeven, it, it, there's a a bit of cartoonish that goes into him as a villain, but I wouldn't say he's a mush, mustache twirler. He is a symbol of of uh, corporate corporate America gone. Uh, sorry, Scott. <laughs> he's you're right. You're right. America, but I'll, I'll pass it on to you guys. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's fucking a corrupt corporate executive. The trope, like one hundred and one, like you know, like you're right. Like you understand his motivations. Be not that much to him, but you understand where he's coming from and what his goals are and, and how he's going about doing it. So, yeah, you're right, Chris, as well. Like, he's not mustache trolling, but he's going to be the corrupt corporate executive because that's, you know, the role that he might as well be like one of the you know, most standard examples of it. But it works, of course, because I think of the, what we just said about themes and the setting in general. So, like, I'm probably going to give him like a one, like a fine one. He works more than he doesn't and he serves his role. And, like, yeah. And, antagonizes Murphy slash Peter Weller. So. These are actually very common villains, whether you're dealing with the corporate ones or the gang members that are in the 80s. Yeah, as yeah. Of, but yeah, with a level of self-awareness over who these characters are, Verhoeven is kind of a master of uh, taking the piss out of different uh, uh, styles. And he does it here. Like, it's almost a Captain Planet-like villain. But, <laughs> but sure. like... Uh, it's cartoonish, but at the same time, it, it balances that like weird, like rocketeer, or uh, 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 it's somewhat realistic, but still a little bit uh, it's exaggerated, uh, maybe, exaggerated. But, and yeah, it worked for it worked for me. Yeah, I, I would I would almost say like the whole silo of the corporation is like the antagonist here. So you got like Jones, but you've also got Clarence, who is the one who really antagonizes you know, Murph, Murphy yeah, through the whole thing. Way. Like he's the oh, one that's dragon. Actually, what's that? Uh, in this, like, sorry, he's the dragon for the yeah, uh, yeah. big bad. Yeah. And you know, you got Morton, Miguel Ferrer's character who is really the, has him killed and then brings him back basically. So, you know, you have, you have this whole like bunch of people that kind of add up to one big antagonist to me which is the company itself is the is the actual antagonist which i i give a strong one too i think that but i i don't think that any of those characters they all play a different part of the whole that really sticks it to murphy in this you know uh so i'm gonna give them a one uh combined that's that's a good way to look at it like they all like sort of combine together the one like big like literal conglomerate pretty much yeah yeah Okay, so we're give, all giving it a one then? And Steve, why don't you tell us a little bit about the protagonist? Yeah, so you got RoboCop, Murphy, who, uh, you know, he, there's not much to him. He's kind of like a bl- blank-faced protagonist uh, after he's killed and turned into the actual protagonist of the movie, uh, and turned into a R- RoboCop. He has little moments of, like, humanity that are really important to this film. Um, and I do like that it's kind of he's kind of like a blank slate that the other characters project themselves onto a little bit. Like um, what's her name, Lewis, and the his partner, you know, comes out and like is trying to figure him out. But I think a lot of that is 
her like working through her own shit about his, her partner being murdered like in front of her and stuff like that. So, and the five hundred other cops have been killed in the past yeah. uh, week uh, in Detroit. Yeah, exactly. So I, you know, it's 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 an interesting question because like him as a character, he's got some interesting stuff to him, but he's kind of lets the rest of the movie bounce off of him to a degree. And like, uh, I don't know. Uh, I think I'm going to give it a one probably still because he works really well in that role and in that part of the movie, but go ahead. I'm going to agree with Roger Ebert here. <laughs> so I was doing a little bit of uh, research into what the uh, current, Oh, at that moment, what and, what they and he uh, said that Wells is acting, especially for a man who was basically face covered in prosthetics or uh, costumes. Actually, has a lot of pathos throughout this, mm. uh, and that a you're you're right that it, it would have been an easy role to make really bland, and we see that in like uh, modern dread stuff and things like that. Uh, but this one, uh, you actually have a feeling for. What's Robocop's actual name in this? Uh, uh, Murphy. Murphy. Yeah, and uh, he does have reactions. And as he gains his memory back, Wells does a really good job of with what little he has to act with of acting here. And yeah. I, I think it's actually a, a very well done portrayal. So I'm probably going to give it one. Yeah, I know much more. Than that. I agree with almost everything you guys have said. I, I've always liked Peter Weller, even though I might prefer him in Buckaroo Banzai as we made the joke. Right, uh, well or not well, you said well, uh, so it doesn't matter. But yeah, I know what you meant you meant him, and yeah, like I think that is true. Like because he is covered, like you know, with basically a visor, essentially, like for eighty percent of the movie. But he does, yeah, at least project emotions. Uh, even even so, and yeah, he, he might have like a simpler arc, but like he has a fine backstory, which like, you said, Steve, makes sense. Like you get bits of his, you know, his his family and what happened there, and that sort of like comes into play when it triggers his memories like when he's dreaming about them and then goes to his old house and so forth and yeah he does a good job throughout and it's it's a perfect protagonist for that fits into the film that um you know that Verlupin was trying to make so i'm giving it a one i think one of the great strengths and one of the great choices with regard to his character was not to have the home life because in my mind i haven't seen this for quite some time and i thought they introduced murphy like leaving his house and he mentioned his wife and his kid and, you know, set up a couple of things, but you don't really get a chance to see his life. Yeah. It's, it's just pretty flashes, yeah, which was a smart thing to do because all of a sudden this blank slate of a character just starts because as you said, Steve, I mean, here's a guy in the mask who things bounce off of him, but to be able to build his backstory throughout the film um, was a real smart, smart choice to make and made him an effective protagonist. So um, um, I'm, I agree with you guys 100%. I'm giving him a one as well. Yeah, I like that. Alrighty, and uh, Ian, uh, let's move on to supporting. Well, Steve-O put all of the uh, corporation into an antagonist, where uh, I think that there are several members of the uh, corporation that escape that, even though they're bad. And it's interesting because it, you can, as you watch this movie, you can see where like. Oh, I can see how this can become a series, how they can make character, uh, uh, take characters from this movie and update them to having a part in the RoboCop lore. So uh, the, uh, uh, the, the nerdy black guy uh, in the corporate thing, uh, he seems like he's getting, becoming an ally of RoboCop and would probably take over as it goes forward. So you have a picture of not only a world that they've built, 
but also a world that could be moved forward with uh, characters that kind of leave impressions uh, for what can go with them. Um, uh, the female police officer, I'm terrible. I'm, I'm, Her name is Lewis. Lewis, in Lewis yeah. Uh, another article I read was talking about how much uh, 80s action movies were terrible with the portrayal of women. I actually thought uh, uh, she did a really good job here. Like, mm-hmm. it was just tough. Uh, her introduction is her kicking ass. Mm-hmm. And in general, uh, and she She's takes down. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, she has more of a kind of a psychic role, too, if, we're, uh, if I'm using the hero thing. But she takes out uh, uh, Clarence's second command uh, with a good shot from while well, well wounded. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, and then also all the wacky. Gang members and shit. Gang members and commercials and like that entire like the entire world they built fit, worked well for the themes and I think that that's the one of the strengths of this movie. Yeah, so this one I was a little bit like uh, iffy on because I do agree. Like maybe the world building elements and characters is what's going to push me over the line for a one because like yeah, like Lewis is good. Oh, sorry, Chris. What's her what's her actress name? Nancy something. Yeah, it's like she she was very good and like a good portrayal within like, uh, you know, the setup that they had. So, but for the most part, like, I mean, even fucking who plays Clarence Darrow? He's fucking red from a uh, 70s show. Kerwood Smith. Yeah. So like, no, it's like no, oh, I mean, I'm saying, but his gang members are, so, right? Uh, so, like, so unless, unless I lump, I could lump them all into antagonists, which doesn't leave much, but I still think the world building elements of the other, like the random, like the people basically it reminded me, sorry, real quickly, Chris, it kind of reminded Repo Man, where like every store apparently in Detroit is always getting robbed, like all mm-hmm. the time yeah. by the same gang members. So like, whatever, like what all that stuff works. I think you're right. So to create like a, a greater sense of the world and setting itself that I think I'm going to settle on a one for this one. I wanted to just quick mention um, um, something um, when Ian was talking about Lewis and you have a you have a world where it's very flashy, very commercial based, a lot, lacks a lot of humanity. And Lewis's character brings that humanity. I mean, she's the one person she only knew him for a day, but is the one person who actually cares about Murphy, the person. Um, and I think that makes her character definitely worthwhile. And I don't really want to give spoilers away to an upcoming show that we'll have next month, but. Ian was talking about an actor in that he did a review of uh, John Saxon. You wish he had chewed up more screen time. Kurtwood Smith just just eats the table and like sure. furniture in the mm-hmm. room. Using um, so I'm giving a strong one. I mean, I, again, you said uh, Scott about the world building, but really um, Lewis's character was really important. Yeah, in- you're right. She's like the heart of it. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, um, I, I I do. Yeah, Lewis is a the most important sex, uh, supporting character, of course. Uh, you got the the sergeant who's like, uh, you know, kind of taking his cues from the company. He was keep. I thought he was good. Uh, I'm trying to think of who. Like, I do love a good like colorfully uh, packed gang of like you know thugs. <laughs> like all of them. Like you got this movie. You got like the crow. You got like all these types of movies where, or like warriors or whatever. You know, I, a good crew like that is always good when they have when you when you kind of remember each one of the characters. You know, actually, by concentrating on the five crew members or however the many there were, 
like it was actually benefited to that each of them kind of at least had a distinct personality style that you remember other movies in the eighties would just have like 30 people in a gang and maybe one of them you'd remember this one. I actually, I distinctly even uh, at the end, I'm like, Oh, the Asian, uh, uh, gang member, did he die earlier on? Because why isn't he in the reunion thing? Mm -hmm. So like, I, I was like, where did this one character go of random gang member number three? So, yeah, yeah. That's point. it's funny, but I think it, it's for one. Yeah. yeah, I did. I, I enjoyed them. Um, trying to remember if there's anybody else that I'm leaving out. That we're leaving out. ED 209. Yeah, true. Uh, the old Ed 209. <laughs> so just a robot, but it had its own kind of personality. Research team, uh, even though they're brief, a lot of them have yeah, personality to them. Yeah. True, true. Yeah, it's going to be a one for me, for sure. And I'd be remiss, uh, like one of my favorite deaths in film history was Emil, uh, played by, uh, mm-hmm. and it, it, were, it was like, like with the whole toxic Avenger, like all the radioactive material causing mutations yeah. was really continuing from the fifties into the eighties. So he drives into a toxic waste, uh, container and he starts, he starts melting and mutating. Yeah. He's like running around going, uh, and then um, Kurt was <laughs> this runs him over and he explodes. <laughs> yeah, it, it looks like a trash bag filled with like slime just explodes all over his car. Yeah, it's fucking hilarious. You're right. That is funny, and uh, it's pretty classic. That's right. Like I, what the second like that he starts to drive, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this now. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's the most over the top death yeah, in this because every other gang member thing, yeah. Yeah, dies from like a gunshot or an explosion. This guy has a traumatic death. Mm. And they build it up. They really play it for all it's worth. Like, it's not like he just walks out and gets hit. <laughs> He's yeah. like, that was really. Uh, right, that is funny, but uh, yeah, good point. Yeah. Okay. Credit to the film. So that moves on to dialogue with Scott. All right, this one I'm also a little iffy on as well. Like, yes, there are the famous lines like that we already referenced pretty much. And, like, I guess what I want to say is that, like, it all holds together. There's nothing really cringeworthy or, like, anything that's over the top is, like, done so on purpose. Like, it's, you know, clearly the vision they had in mind <clears throat> to have this character say something not ridiculous per se, but, like, for example, the confrontation in the corporate bathroom, like, is a little, like, <laughs> too much. But, like, they know that, and I think they lean into that. And, like, other moments, like, that are similar to it throughout. Like, it, it's not amazing, but I guess I'll have to say, like, it works. And it doesn't, like, falter, I don't think. Or it doesn't really, like, there, there are no parts that fall so flat that make me say, oh, it didn't work. It didn't work more than it did. So, I guess I'm going to go with a solid, okay, you know, a fine one, unless you guys have something else to say about it. So, go on. Go ahead. No, I tend to agree with you on that. Um, I think that the dialogue's pretty good. And this movie's pretty quotable as well like you know we've been saying i'd buy that for a dollar all night and like sure you know everyone been saying that since that movie but I'm uh, yeah you know there there are a lot of quotes that came from this movie that you know it's it's sticks in your head so i i think that's a mark of pretty good dialogue usually and um and like you said there's nothing like cringeworthy uh in there to me so i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a one I was kind of ambivalent towards this one. Like I could have gone with the zero or one. I was waiting to hear what you guys had to say. And I'm kind of, I guess, falling upon the one because it's, yeah, aside from a couple of lines, it's okay. But you're right. It's not bad. I, I don't know. I was teetering, but you guys kind of 
I think it like confirmed going over to a one. It's like good enough for a one, you know. I actually was starting with the zero with this one um, because when I think back in the film, this is one of those things where I'm going to say the whole is better than the sum of the parts. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, because when I think of the film, the dialogue is even the "I'll buy it for a dollar" is not the thing I remember the most. It's the themes, it's the atmosphere. Um, but you both, you all made a really good point for dialogue. I was also going to say I'm not sure if this is quite the ten movie that Troopers was, but I also <laughs> I also can't fault because well the Troopers dialogue we were talking about how it everything in that film just fed into the world. Mm. The dialogue carried so much weight, but I think I think in this case it's like the dialogue does its job. I think that's well said. Like that's pretty much how I ended up looking at it, and that means. It's- it does its job, so it does its job enough for one. Chris, you might have swapped me on this. <laughs> okay, Because if we're looking at the entirety of his work, and I think that Starship Troopers is a better film because that was none of the actors, like, very few of the actors were in on the joke. It was played straight. This was attempting to be funny. And yeah, there were moments it worked, but you're right. The most of it, this isn't the stuff you remember. Like, uh, you remember the visual aspects. You remember the like aside from a couple of lines in what was intentionally meant to be a kind of a funny movie, it didn't land as much. So I'm probably going to give it a land on a zero for that. Yeah. Um, and, and the thing is, I don't want that zero to be a mark against it more so than, Hey, going into starship troopers, which was as much political commentary, social commentary as this is, yeah, I kind of felt like definitely without this film, there could have been no Starship Troopers. And I think that I, I think really work making the dialogue work. And that was something that was approved upon from this. So yeah, I'm going to stick with my zero. Yeah, that's fair. I, I get it. That's your guys point. I don't begrudge it, but I think maybe it's just enough for me, but yeah. I could have seen myself giving it as well, but I'm going to stick with the decent yeah. one. Yeah. I'm going to stick with the one too. I think for me, it's the, the what really pushes it just over the line is kind of the quotability of the movie uh, and stuff like that sticking like, in your head. It's longevity. Sure, sure. Yeah. And that moves me to style in keeping with uh, when I first saw this in the theater, I uh, was kind of found the abrupt ending jarring. But Ian putting it in context of an origin story was absolutely perfect because um, the end of, um, you know, Batman Begins, which I knew I, you were going to fucking compare that. Mm-hmm. My two favorite origin stories are Batman Begins and the 1978 uh, Superman. And in both of them, the sign off as a superhero, like in Batman Begins, you know, saying, you'll never, I never thank you. You'll never have to. And I can't remember. Uh, Christopher Reeve says something like we're all in this together or something similar. And to have Dan O'Hurley, he's saying, what's your name? And he just turns around and goes Murphy and like walks off and it faces. <laughs> yes. yep. That alone would give this a one. But I, I think the culmination of everything we were talking about um, with the narrative, with the world building, is enough to give it a one. Um, I really, I just, I really enjoyed the stop motion, um, and uh, I'm going to move it on because I don't really want to step on anybody else's toes. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I think it holds up. Like, when you think like of like '80s, like or like rundown cities, like crime infested things, like RoboCop, like probably is in the top ten or five of like things you think of because it portrayed that really well. And I think it still holds up. Like all the shots are fine. Like I will say, I guess my biggest gripe style stylistically is like some of the fights and like the ra- the actual random gang members deaths, like 
they basically have Wilhelm screams like off a fucking ledge or whatever. <laughs> like, so, like, it kind of looks a little ridiculous at times when that happens, but by and large, and I still, yeah, the ED stop motion thing, like I think still looks pretty good. It still holds up fairly well. Even the RoboCop, you know, stuff design itself also, I think, uh, stands the test of time. So yeah, in general, I'm, I think it's stronger than it, you know, and any faults in it are like few and far between. So I'm going to give it a pretty solid one and I'll leave also other points for you guys. So. The co- commercials are what, so specifically the one where they're playing the nuke board, uh, the nuke each other board game, uh, the, uh, which is so perfectly uh, cynical of uh, the Cold War. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's wonderful. Uh, I, I, that's, I think, it, the style is actually the strength. If there's a reason to go watch this film, it's because of the stylistic choices in the world they built uh, more than anything. Yeah, I mean, that that is the really, and like, you know, in the 80s when this came out, this was like RoboCop was the epitome of cool, like, near future sci-fi stuff yeah, yeah, uh exactly. and you know it kind of built this and like maybe you know blade runner and a couple others like built what you know a sci-fi future was in a film and it just looks it still looks good the practical effects are amazing the stop motion stuff is just like silly but i really still love it and like watching the ed toe nine trying to get down the stairs like a and not be able to do it like a, you know, cow or something (laughs) like cows can't go upstairs or whatever that is, but like, or down them. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just love all of it. And you're right. The, uh, the, how they do the news segments and the commercials are great. Um, Yeah. Superior, uh, like social commentary through the style. And, uh, yeah, I love it. It's a, it's a one. Excellent. And sorry, uh, did anyone mention the soundtrack? Because, I guess it's oh, no. there, but, but like, it it wasn't like the biggest part of it. I just thought one of you might have might bring it up. That's why I was saving it. But. That's actually a good point because the RoboCop like theme that plays is super the iconic. Theme, and, the theme like, is cool, but yeah, um, and the soundtrack is good. Like I I enjoyed it, uh, or like the you know the score. Um, I just didn't remember it. Like even like you just watch it and it was there. I'm sure there was music, but it neither. It sort of like was just in the background. You know, perfectly fine. Like neither distracting nor adding really much to me. So I, I, th- I think it did a. I think they did do a great job with the late motif of the of the theme, though coming back up. That piece of music is good. I'll give. I'll grant you that. Yeah. But yeah. So. And Steve will continue. Would you recommend RoboCop? Yes, I'm going to give it a ten. Apparently, I think it's a great movie. I, I actually agree, or I think I, we talked about this a little bit yesterday when I saw you guys. Uh, it's not to me. It's not quite as good as Starship Troopers, but you're right, Chris. It Starship Troopers doesn't exist without this movie. And going back and watching it, I still really enjoyed it. I give it a strong recommendation. Yes, yeah, I mean I'm giving it a one. As well. <laughs> Obviously, <I> rec- <laughs> all right, sure. I mean, yeah, I yes, I still recommend Robocop. It, it holds up, I think. And yeah, I guess I'm giving it a ten. I might not have done that like on an arbitrary scale, but on our scale, on the points that I think it hits clearly almost all of them, if not all. So yeah, and yeah, it's still worth a watch and there's nothing, you know, it, if you haven't seen it in a while, and you're like, oh, I wonder if this RoboCop still work? Yep, it fucking does and uh, check it out. So, I think if you haven't seen RoboCop, your perception of RoboCop is completely incorrect. <laughs> uh, it, it is a strange and fun movie. It's, overall, it does hold up, but it's worth watching just for the humorous part in it. I don't think it's a must-see movie, 
but it's a good like Saturday afternoon fun kind of romp. So exactly. All right. So one. All right. So um, leave us, buddy. We uh, Scott and Steve-O gave it each a ten. I gave it a nine, and Ian gave it an eight. Uh, Ian um, gave the uh, plot a strong two, and Ian and I both agreed that the dialogue was not the strongest. Where you guys did, which is awesome, and that leaves us with a nine point two five. Which you know, if we if we gave that's about spot on you. Yeah, I was gonna say if we gave Troopers a ten, um, this and this. You know, I, I think this is right in the ballpark for. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm with you. Being, being the precursor, and like I said, like I might give it a 9.25 on the arbitrary number scale. So there you go, perfect. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, does anybody have anything to add? No, I think that'll do it, buddy. Alrighty. Well, thank you very much for joining us. I have been Chris Morgan here with Stephen Armosi. Have a good night, Jonathan Ian Manzer. Since you asked, uh, the Warriors is a, a par with this and. Death Wish 3. Okay. (laughs) They're all up there? All right, all right. And Scott Thurlow. And uh, yeah, I'll see you in the ruins of Detroit next time. Thanks for joining us. Cheers. Night. Editing and engineering by Scott Thurlow. Music by Christopher Morgan. Check us out on YouTube and iTunes for the shows. And on Facebook and Twitter for updates. Or Mott's?